0: Are we ready? Okay. It girl in crime, murder, and mystery. The most prolific serial killer in the U.S. could have been someone from your own neighborhood, backyard, or even community. There are reportedly at least 50 confirmed victims during this monster's long killing spree. The victims were at the time unaccounted for or labeled as unimportant to investigate as murdered or missing people. The 20th century saw someone just as twisted as Ted Bundy and just as delusional as John Wayne Gacy. This is the story of enraged serial killer Samuel Little. His vicious murdering spree spanned far too long. 35 years to be exact, from 1970 to 2005. Now that we know the simple part of the killer's name and how long he was free to kill, the most important part of his crazy story are the victims. In this episode today, we will discuss the story of the unconfirmed and unmatched victims that the FBI is still trying to investigate decades after Samuel Little apparently murdered them. A young boy born in the year 1940 in the segregated South already had odds against him. Being in Georgia at that time, for anyone not white, was rough and dangerous. The Jim Crow South saw a multitude of hurdles for this young boy being raised. While the experience of Jim Crow was no less harsh in rural areas, and in fact may have been more so, it did lack the rigidness, that characterized urban segregation. In Georgia's cities, segregation developed as a solution to the problems posed by modernization and urbanization. However, rural Georgia remained a largely pre-modern society, making many features of segregation unnecessary or even problematic. Although black Georgians experienced little political progress under Jim Crow, Many did achieve an impressive measure of economic success. While some Black farmers made the jump from tenant to landowner in rural Georgia, the majority of Black economic development occurred in urban areas where a small but significant class of Black professionals emerged. With so many changes in one's environment, what caused this young boy born into unwanted surroundings to turn evil? Was it the Jim Crow South? Was it his family? Or was he just born to become a monster? But before we go on, hey y'all, I'm Jay and you're about to start chapter two of It Girl in Crime, Murder, and Mystery. That can be viewed on all streaming platforms where I discuss in detail documentaries, film reenactments, and short content minis that encompass a topic of crime, murder, and or mystery in each chapter. As I hinted last week, today's topic is murder. The film or content discussed will always be referenced and also linked in the description below. The referenced content can typically be seen or heard on easily accessible streaming services or social media platforms that inform us, the viewer, of catastrophic and unimaginable events that took place in our past. So if you don't know, I have a new segment for all podcast platforms that I started. It's called Thursday Minis. It's short form content about cases and stories that don't have enough info to be long form content. These episodes come out on Thursdays and are broadcasted on every podcast platform except YouTube. This week's case will be about victim Kim Ho, who was killed due to the negligence of none other than Caitlyn Jenner. I'm telling y'all these short form episodes are juicy. Just type in "it Girl in Crime, Murder, and Mystery on your podcast service of choice to find my show. I got the idea for this chapter from Twitter, honestly. I was looking through my Twitter feed, which follow me on Twitter, and at me on there if you have any case ideas. But anyways, back to it. While being nosy on Twitter, a show called Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan on Apple Podcasts popped up. I listened to it and they did a really great episode on Samuel Little. So that inspired me to take a deeper look into the case today. Now, before I go on, hit that follow button and come along this journey with me. Let's begin. How did Samuel Little grow to become serial killer number one? Him having allegedly 90 plus victims could be the reason to why. But before we jump ahead, we will start with his younger, more impressionable years. According to Wikipedia, Samuel Little was born as Samuel McDowell on June 7, 1940 in Reynolds, Georgia. Little claimed that his mother, Bessie Mae Little, was a teenage prostitute who had abandoned him. Authorities believe that she might have given birth to him while she was in jail. The census from the year Little was born said Bessie May worked as a maid and that his father was 19-year-old Paul McDowell. Soon after his birth, Little's family moved to Lorain, Ohio, where he was brought up mainly by his grandmother. He attended Hawthorne Junior High School, where he had problems with discipline and achievement. By his own account, he began having sexual fantasies about strangling women as a child, starting when he saw his kindergarten teacher touch her neck. What? As a teenager, he collected true crime magazines that depicted women being choked. In 1956, after being convicted of breaking and entering into a property of Omaha, Nebraska, Ludo was held in an institution for juvenile offenders. His mother was listed on the booking card as a whereabouts unknown. Now, I searched around and believe this was her's and believe this was his first offense on record. Little moved to Florida to live with his mother in the late 60s. And by his own account, he was working at various times as a cemetery worker and an ambulance attendant. He said he then began traveling more widely and had more run-ins with the law, being arrested in eight states for crimes that included driving under the influence fraud. Shoplifting, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and rape. Little claimed that he took up boxing during his time in prison, referring to himself as a former prize fighter. In 1961, Little was sentenced to three years in prison for breaking into a furniture store in Lorraine, but he was released in 1964. By 1975, he had been arrested 26 times in 11 states. For crimes including theft, assault, attempted rape, fraud, and attacks on government officials. Guys, how the hell did he get out so many times? With all of these offenses, I really don't understand how he was continuously let out. But I think during his early years, the prisons didn't have enough space to house every criminal. Because remember, it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s. They didn't have enough space. Now, this part is a little confusing, but you'll get it. Little had a long-term girlfriend, Aurelia Jean Dorsey, now deceased, who supported them both through shoplifting for years. On May 28, 1971, he was arrested in Cleveland with his girlfriend at the time, Lucy Madero, and they were charged with robbery of a gas station. While in jail, Madero confided in her Dorsey that she would be testifying against Little in the subsequent robbery case. In 1972, when the case went to trial, Madero did in fact testify against Little, but his defense team was able to plan for it with help from information passed on by Dorsey, the girlfriend that he was with for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah the one in the beginning. Little was eventually found not guilty. Dorsey and Little were together until she died of natural causes, a brain hemorrhage, in Los Angeles in 1988. Now listen to this. In 1982, Little was arrested in Pascagoula, Mississippi. I don't know, guys. And <laughs> charged with the murder of 22 year old Melinda Rose Laprie, who had gone missing in September of that year. But a grand jury declined to indict Little for her murder. However, while under investigation, Little was extradited to Florida and tried for the murder of 26 year old Patricia Ann Mount, whose body was found in September of 1982. Prosecution's witnesses identified Ludo in court as a person who spent time with Mount on the night before her disappearance. Due to mistrust of witness testimonies, Ludo was acquitted in 1984. He got away twice, guys, in the 80s, two times. Ridiculous. He got off two times from being convicted of the murders that he did. If that doesn't tell you the crap that was happening and still is happening with the U.S.'s judicial system, I don't know what does. They literally could have prevented dozens of women's murders. Little moved to California, where he stayed in the vicinity of San Diego. In October of 1984, he was arrested for kidnapping, beating, and strangling 22-year-old Lori Barros, who survived. Thank God. God for her. One month later, he was found by police in the backseat of his car with an unconscious woman, also beaten, strangled, in the same location as the attempted murder of Barros. Little served two and a half years in prison for both crimes. Upon his release in February 1987, he immediately moved to Los Angeles and committed at least 10 additional murders. Not to skip over topics because there is just so much to go over when it comes to him, but I would like to go over the timeline of Samuel Little's unknown victims. Five cases have been removed after being confirmed by law enforcement. Two new cases have been added, one in Willoughby Hills, Ohio, and an additional case in New Orleans, Louisiana. Two previously unmatched confessions have been linked to unidentified bodies, or Jane Doe's. Eight new portraits have been added. Little draws the portraits based on his memories of the victims. Now I will talk about the victims that have sketches available. There's well over 40 unmatched victims on this list. But to not go over time, I will only discuss the ones with sketches available. Let's begin. The Victims. Unmatched confession from Phoenix, Arizona, Hispanic female in her 40s, killed in 1988 or 1996. Victim possibly from Phoenix. Another matched to a Jane Doe, Kendall, Florida, white female, possibly of Cuban descent, between 25 to 35 years old, killed in 1971. Victim possibly called Sarah or Donna. Another matched to a Jane Doe. New Orleans, Louisiana, white female between 33 and 44 years old, killed in 1982. Another unmatched confession, North Little Rock, Arkansas, black female killed in 1992 or 1993. Another unmatched confession, Fort Myers, Florida, black female killed in 1984. Another unmatched confession, location unknown, Black female between 30 to 40 years old, killed in 1982. Another match to a Jane Doe, West Memphis, Arkansas. Black female between 28 to 29 years old, killed in 1984. Victim picked up in Memphis, Tennessee. Another unmatched confession, Tampa Bay, Florida, killed in 1984. Another unmatched confession, Monroe, Louisiana, black female, age 24, killed between 1987 and the early 90s. Another unmatched confession, Plant City, Florida, black female killed in 1977 or 1998, met victim in Clearwater, Florida. Another match to a Jane Doe, Prince George's County, Maryland, white female, between 20 to 25 years old, killed in 1972. Victim possibly from Massachusetts. Another unmatched confession, location unknown, black female between 26 and 27 years old, killed in 1987. Another unmatched confession, Savannah, Georgia, black female between 22 and 23 years old, killed in 1974. Another matched to a Jane Doe, Pascagoula, Mississippi. Black female, between 35 to 45 years old, killed in 1977. Met the victim in Gulfport, Mississippi, victim possibly from Pascagoula, victim possibly worked at Ingalls Shipyard. Another unmatched confession. Location unknown, black female, age 23, killed in 1984. Another unmatched confession. Location unknown, black female, killed in 1992 or 1993. Another unmatched confession, Atlanta, Georgia, black female between 35 to 40 years old, killed in 1981. Another unmatched confession, Las Vegas, Nevada, black female, age 40, killed in 1993. Another unmatched confession, location unknown, black female between 23 to 25 years old, killed in 1996. Victim possibly called Sheila. Another unmatched confession, location unknown, black female, between 23 to 25 years old, killed in 1984, victim, possibly a college student. Another unmatched confession, Cincinnati, Ohio, black female, killed in 1974. Another unmatched confession, location unknown, white female, between 23 to 25 years old, killed in 1996. Another unmatched confession, Charleston, South Carolina, black female, age 28, killed between 1977 and 1982. Another unmatched confession, Homestead, Florida, white female killed in 1970 or 1971. Another unmatched confession, Granite City, Illinois, black female, age 26, killed between 1976 and 1979 met victim in St. Louis, Missouri, victim possibly called Joe. Another unmatched confession, Houston, Texas, Black female between 25 to 28 years old, killed between 1976 and 1979 or in 1993. Another unmatched confession, Miami, Florida, Black female, age 22, killed in 1971, victim possibly called Linda. Another unmatched confession, Covington, Kentucky, white female killed in 1984, met victim in Columbus, Ohio, body disposed of somewhere in Northern Kentucky, city unspecified. Another unmatched confession, location unknown, transgender female, age 18, killed in 1971 or 1972, victim possibly called Marianne or Marion. Another unmatched confession, location unknown. Black female, age 28, killed in 1971 or 1972. Victim possibly worked in Homestead Air Force Base. Now, I felt it necessary to go over every victim that had a sketch because why not? From what I've seen, no one has brought up the unnamed victims, just the ones that have a name, face, and story because it's less taxing. Now, did Samuel Little kill all of these unmatched and matched victims? I'm unsure, honestly. When serial killers or anyone is caught by police, they have nothing to lose. The Texas Rangers, the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, and the United States Department of Justice are releasing new details in more than a dozen unsolved murders committed by serial killer Samuel Little, aka Samuel McDowell, in hopes of bringing closure to these cases. The director and colonel of the Texas Department of Public Safety, Stephen McCraw, said, The information contained in these narratives could be the missing piece to solving some of these murders. Investigators say the manner in which Little killed his victims was more reminiscent to suffocation than strangulation, and that several of his victims didn't have broken or fractured hyoid bones in the throat. Most of the victims' deaths were misclassified in autopsy reports and listed as drug overdoses or natural deaths. Which is weird. Come on, coroners. As I said, Samuel Little had dozens of unmatched and unconfirmed victims throughout the U.S. But in 2023, one of those unmatched and unconfirmed victims was identified. Though he is reported to have started his killing spree in 1970, his first confirmed victim was from 1977 and has since been unidentified until today. Thanks to DNA and forensics really trailblazing the area of murdered and missing people. Reported from independent.co.uk, his first confirmed victim was a young woman whose remains were discovered off Arkwright Road in Macon, Georgia in 1977. But for 46 years, investigators were unable to determine her identity, and she was known only as Macon Jane Doe. Now, she has finally been given her name back thanks to the use of genetic genealogy. Genetic genealogy is the use of genealogical DNA tests, i.e. DNA profiling and DNA testing, in combination with traditional genealogical methods. The Bibb County Sheriff's Office announced that the woman had been identified as Yvonne Pless. Yvonne was around 20 years old when she was last seen alive. Bibb County Captain Shermaine Jones and CGCC's Sexual Assault, Child Abuse, and Human Trafficking Unit Program Director Amy Hutzel visited Little in Texas the following year to interview him about his claims. There, they found that his confessions matched two unsolved cold case murders. The identity of Little's second-making victim was already known. Fredonia Smith was murdered in Washington Park in 1982. While Smith's surviving family was notified that her case had been solved, Pless's identity was still unclear. When using forensic genetic genealogy on a sexual assault kit, investigators were able to identify Pless and track down her family members. Plus, his family didn't even know she was dead, according to a heartfelt statement they shared with Channel 2 Action News. And I quote We appreciate the interest in our family member's story. When Captain Jones and Miss Hudson notified us that Yvonne had been identified, we were unaware she was deceased. We are mourning the loss of our loved one and have no comments at this time. We ask that our privacy be respected. Now, I'm sure you're wondering how did they not know she was dead or at least her whereabouts? Well, in the 70s and the South, a lot of people, especially Black people, left hostile environments, whether to escape the stains of the segregated South that still felt to this day, or to escape the crumbling job market that couldn't rival the Northern or Midwestern states. We don't know Pless's personal story at the moment, but we do know that she was loved above all else. Little admitted to more than 93 different murders in total, and 60 deaths have been formally connected to him by police. The majority of Little's victims were prostitutes, drug addicts, or homeless individuals, and most of them were female. He thought that these persons would leave fewer clues for authorities to find and leave fewer persons to search for them. However, despite the scope of his offending in total, he was only charged and convicted for eight murders. These were the victims of those eight murders. Annie Lee Stewart, 32, was murdered on October 11, 1981, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mary Jo Peyton, or Peyton, 21, was murdered sometime in 1984 after she encountered Little at a bar in Cleveland. Carol Alford, 41, was murdered by little in Los Angeles, California. Guadalupe Apodaca, 46, was found on September 3rd, 1989, at an abandoned auto repair shop in Los Angeles, California. Audrey Nelson Everett, 35, was found in the dumpster behind a nightclub and restaurant in Los Angeles, California, on August 14, 1989. Zena Marie Jones, 30, was a woman found murdered in West Memphis, Arkansas, on July 28, 1990. Rose Evans, 32, was murdered in Cleveland, Ohio, on or around August 24, 1991. And lastly, Denise Christie Brothers, 32, was a mother of two who was found killed in Odessa, Texas, on February 2nd, 1994. Ludo was arrested on September 5th of 2012 at a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky, and extradited to California to face a narcotics charge after which authorities used DNA testing to establish that he was involved in the murders of Linda Alford, killed on July 13th, 1987, Guadalupe Duarte Apodaca, sorry, killed on September 3rd, 1987, and Archery Nelson Everett, killed on August 14th, 1989. All three women were killed and later found on the streets of Los Angeles. He was extradited to Los Angeles, where he was charged on January 7th, 2013. A few months later, the police said that Little was being investigated for involvement in three dozen murders committed in the 80s, which until then had been undisclosed. In total, Little was tested for involvement in 93 murders of women committed in many U.S. states. Little was literally able to do countless killings all over the country due to the negligence of authorities. The Texas Rangers, the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, and the United States Department of Justice are releasing new details and more than a dozen unsolved murders committed by serial killer Samuel Little, aka Samuel McDowell, in hopes of bringing closure to these cases the director and colonel of the Texas Department of Public Safety, Stephen McCraw, said in a statement that the information contained in these narratives could be the missing piece to solving some of these murders. It's critical that anyone with any information come forward as time is running out. Little was interviewed extensively by Texas Ranger James Holland from June 2018 to shortly before his death in December 2020. During the course of these interviews, Little confessed to committing 93 murders between 1970 and 2005. More than 60 of Little's confessions definitely have been matched to victims through DNA evidence or extensively corroborated interviews. Now, Little died on December 30, 2020, in a Los Angeles County hospital. Although California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation sources indicate no cause of death, Little suffered from diabetes, heart problems, and other heart conditions. Good riddance to Samuel Little. Now the Texas Rangers do not have the best record on factual confessions. They have notoriously fed false information to potential killers for notoriety and so whichever Texas officer, ranger, or sheriff could get their name in newspapers and maybe a promotion. False confessions and falsifying evidence is all too common in that state. If you've seen Netflix's Henry Lee Lucas documentary, then you know. Now, regardless if Little was fed information to make false confessions or not, in my opinion, he's dead and it's just too late. Well, the possibly 93 murders that about half are unsolved have already been confessed and pinned on Samuel Little. He died in 2020, and we can't really find out much information past that when it comes to the truth of if he killed all those 90 plus victims without getting caught or not. Some yes, of course, DNA got him, but all mm, I don't believe so in my opinion. So with that, thank you so much for tuning in and watching chapter two of It Girl and Crime, Murder and Mystery. This honestly is a very informative episode, so thank you for listening. Now sound off in the comments. Do you really believe Samuel Little killed 90 plus people? If not, tell me why. Subscribe, like, and follow on all platforms linked in the description box. See y'all next week for chapter three, where we discuss the It Girl topic of mystery. Ciao!